What's going on, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of Trigger. This is Trigger Tips number 491 here on Wednesday, November 15th. We continue the Baton Death March to episode 500. Uh, <laughs> let us get right into it. Uh, the, the war is continuing to rage over in the Middle East. Uh, Israel is just crushing Gaza yeah. and the terrorists. Hamas is basically, I think as you wrote, Matt, uh, operationally crushed. Yeah, right? pretty much. Although they're still firing into Israel. Yeah. They, they, pretty, they, still, they still have a lot of armaments from like 17 years of yeah. like, stockpiling. Uh-huh. So, so uh, Spence obviously was in Israel. Or no, so Spencer's here, just FYI to everybody. <laughs> oh. uh, everybody knows Spencer. How so did I get here? It's the Spencer Brown. He's here. Uh he was there in, what, August? Yeah. You were there in August, right before all this popped off. Thankfully. Which has always been my big fear and why I never went to Israel, <laughs> by the way. Um, See, I proved you can cut it close. You <laughs> Really close. <laughs> Just <laughs> too close, but <laughs> close enough. So, you know, what's, what's the situation there? What, how is this going to progress and what's, you know, what's going to happen here? Tell us everything. Well, I think in addition to what Vespa wrote, basically, where the IDF is showing, and you can see on the satellite maps that people have been releasing, you can see how IDF has just encircled the basically Gaza City, which is where the main operational headquarters for Hamas has been. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got that pretty much circled in, and that means they can't get anything into that main core area, and they also can't really get anything out now. And IDF has been just going through, like, basically building by building, which is brutal. But they've been doing really a great job at doing that with very minimal IDF losses, which has been impressive and a testament to how good IDF fighting forces are. But I think the other thing that makes it so clear how well the IDF is doing against Hamas is you have Hamas people who are currently in Lebanon kind of working with Hezbollah saying that if Hamas no longer exists, then threatening that Hezbollah will fully enter the war and hearing somebody who is a Hamas person acknowledge that reality that Hamas might not exist is I think significant because they've obviously gotten away with so much for so many years doing these smaller barrages of rockets at a time into Israel every couple of years. But this time with what they did, they really overplayed their hand. And a lot of the people that I've been talking to who I was both in Israel with and who I met in Israel, they don't really know what Hamas was thinking Mm -hmm. because this is the only natural outcome is that Israel is going to destroy them. And so, you know, why they did this, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. But yeah, IDF is rolling them everywhere. And everywhere the IDF has gone and cleared out Hamas from a building, most frequently civilian buildings, like two hospitals now in a row. Every time they go into these hospitals, they're proven right in everything they were saying, which is these hospitals have tunnels running from them to the terrorist leaders' homes. They are full of weapons and ammunition and grenades and RPGs and even a motorbike that was used in the October 7th uh, massacre when they rode into Israel and kidnapped all these people um, who they're still holding captive. But... uh, yeah, IDF has just been rolling them. And it, it's been interesting to, like, the narrative every time Israel's like, we're going to do something. Then you see all these Hamas sympathizers come out and be like, oh, you can't do that. It's war crimes. You're attacking yeah. civilians in a hospital. And IDF explains very clearly, no, we are going after this building because we know that Hamas is using it as an operation center. And they're like, oh, don't trust the IDF. And then the <laughs> IDF walks in and it's full of guns full hidden guns, behind yeah. an MRI machine. Yeah. was the most recent one, El Shifa Hospital in Gaza yeah. City that they took Was that out. the picture you were showing me this morning? Uh, of them in the hospital, or no? Maybe, never, never. That was that. That was the other hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah. See the other hospital. They're in all the yeah, hospitals. No, they're in all the hospitals. <laughs> and interestingly enough, and I think a testament in of this is a weird thing for me to do, me as a person and me untriggered, hmm. is to say that the Biden administration has done a good job in terms of backing up what the IDF is saying. Yeah. Which is not easy for them to do right now because there are all these absolute lunatics working at the State Department and the Pentagon and everywhere else who are on the side of Hamas and want them to live to fight another day but the Biden administration at the top level has continually said no we have our own intelligence that confirms that Hamas is using specifically al-Shifa and other hospitals in Gaza as military centers which as John Kirby said yesterday on Air Force One on the way to San Francisco with the president that's a war crime yes so like it's not just it's not just the IDF saying these things like the international community is corroborating it anybody who's honest Mm -hmm. Um, and so again hopefully the IDF is able to just keep rolling city after city, block after block. And I think kind of the emerging question on the horizon for a lot of people in Israel and around the world is what are they going to do basically the day after the war? Because obviously they've gotten the northern part choked out. That's just a matter of time before they completely get Hamas out of there. Yeah. Then you have to deal with 
some Hamas remnants, which are also in the south, because some Hamas fighters did flee as pretending to be civilians yes. to get out to save yeah. themselves because yeah. they're all cowards. And they can't leave because the Egyptians have closed the border. Yes. And the only way you can get across that border crossing is if your name is on a pre-approved list, which is basically yeah. just American passport holder, yeah. dual citizen type situations. Yeah. So once, again, once the North is handled, they'll deal with the South, and the question then becomes, what do we do with Gaza after Hamas is gone? Because... Bulldoze it and turn it into a luxurious <laughs> Trump resort. Well, in <laughs> Trump's terms of, Gaza City. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of security, they're going to be there for a while foreseeable future it's who's going to handle the civilian stuff and like no arab government wants to do it no no the u.n doesn't want to do it in fact the u.n can't because they're pro hamas yes so if the u.n had their way hamas it? would still be the government yeah. when this is over i think that's where also i would say broad political support across you know all sectors in the israeli society regarding military operations i'm not so sure about the administrative part though mm-hmm. right i don't think anybody wants to govern no. gaza and there's like and and there's always a chance that, like, the Palestinian Authority, like, they might want another shot at this, is yeah. the theory, because, like, originally that was supposed to be the PA was supposed to oversee Gaza and yeah. the West Bank. That obviously didn't happen. Yeah. And Netanyahu said that's not going to happen. Right, and he doesn't want that to happen yet, yeah. because the PA has already been struggling. They've Most of the attention, obviously, and rightfully so, has been on the IDF's work in the Gaza Strip, but they've yeah. also been doing a ton of operations yeah, in the West Bank mm-hmm. because there are a ton of Hamas terrorists and people affiliated with Hamas that are in the West Bank. There are also yeah. people from Hezbollah in the West Bank, and it is pretty easy for Iran to get its people through into yeah. the West Bank as yeah. well. And so allowing the people that have been, which is Mahmoud Abbas, who's yeah. older than everyone <laughs> on Earth, basically... <laughs> Um, he was around when Guy de Lucien was around. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, nobody has a ton of faith in his ability to, like, be a strong leader when he's yeah. already been losing his grip on just the West Bank, which is, like, the immediate area around where he's been his whole life. And he yeah. hasn't had anything to do with Gaza because Hamas said, nah, yeah. sayonara to you. Um, I, I saw something interesting that um, somebody might be trying to do kind of like the Emirati model with Gaza, which is very ambitious. Yeah. Very yeah. ambitious. Because yeah. if you look at Dubai and you look at Gaza City, these are not the same places, cultures, people, <laughs> no. anything. But supposedly there may be an offer to come from them to help with it. But I, that is something that, again, no other government wants to deal with yeah. these people. Yeah. No other government. Jordan yeah. doesn't want them, even Ooh. though the queen is a Palestinian. Yeah. They, don't, she's like, they don't want these terrorists. No, she's they like, know. I don't want them. Yeah. I mean, the... Uh, Jordanian, the king, he yeah. like bulldozed thirty thousand of them and yeah. pushed them all out. Yep. So Jordan doesn't want them, even though that is, if we're all talking about who whose rightful land is it, most of Jordan is the original Palestinian mandate. So yeah. if we're giving back land, then yeah, Jordan yeah. no longer exists. And they can't deal with that because they gotta they gotta go into southern Lebanon after Gaza. Yeah. The IDF. So. Well, and that's um, I was at a off the record event this week, so I can't say a ton about it. But basically, that's the concern is. Does Hezbollah have the political will, and do the leaders in Lebanon have the will to potentially destroy their country and their housing and where all the Hezbollah people... Like, Hezbollah has an army the size of most... Like, Hezbollah as a group is a, a fighting force the size of most European armies. So, like, yeah. it's a ton of people. It's a lot. It's a ton of housing. It's a ton of infrastructure. And if they launch more than what they've been doing, which has been kind of what, like, used to be the Hamas, just, like, a barrage yeah. every now and then... Yeah. Um, if they actually start, and if they start, they have way better weapons because, again, they have a direct line to Iran because you can get stuff through Syria into Lebanon and down to Hezbollah. So their weapons are not these, like, sewer pipe rockets. Their no. weapons are, like, guided munitions where yes. they can pick a building. They, and, have, like, they have ballistic missiles. Yes, they yeah. can, like, try to take out the Knesset. They can try to take yeah. out the skyscrapers in Tel Aviv. They can yeah. be very precise. They could take out, you know, chemical plants in Haifa, all these things. If they start doing that, Israel's just going to respond in kind and make sure yeah. they can't do that which is going to level yeah. southern lebanon and they and seem to be doing that because the was it the defense minister was like basically all the air force operations now are turning towards southern yes. lebanon right now yes. so we won't mean there's nothing left to bomb in gaza that, that's true that's it. it's mostly so, mostly yeah. gone and then once and then the question becomes once if this turns and is an idf versus hezbollah war in the north Ooh. then who else potentially enters from syria you've got the golan heights it's yeah, and this is why, in theory, Joe Biden parked the two aircraft carriers yes. <laughs> off, mm-hmm. off yeah. the coasts of the region to try to keep everybody from getting antsy. But clearly, yeah. the deterrent is not working because Iranian-backed 
militias and terrorists have continued to attack U.S. forces yeah. in Syria. But it's okay because you're going to give them $10 billion. Yeah, no, it's totally it's fine. It's totally fine now. So again, it's it, like this whole idea of deterrence, like in theory makes sense. Like, yes, we love – it's a great move to have two carrier strike groups over there because, again, that – Shows a sign that we're yeah. serious about this. Yeah. But then when you're giving the world's leading state sponsor of terror, Iran, $10 billion after giving them like $16 billion, like what are you, what are you doing? Are you really deterring anyone? And I think the answer is no, because you can, yeah. it's like, we look tough to the world and to someone we're trying to impress, but we're also sending a $10 billion, like it's, it's okay. Yeah. To Tehran, and also, we shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, and like we discussed this last week, but like the the whole point of our submarine fleet is that you don't know where the f- they are. <laughs> right. And for CENTCOM to be like, hey, there, there it is. is. There's a submarine in the Mediterranean. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's supposed to be a secret. Oh. But yeah, so again, and that's kind of why the like positioning of U.S. assets seems kind of like the lady doth protest too much. Yeah. It's like, mm. are, are you're putting them there. Are you actually going to use them on the country that you just unfroze another $10 billion for? Yeah. The country whose oil exports you refru- refuse to actually enforce the sanctions on, yeah. allowing them to make billions of dollars just in illicit oil sales? Like, all these things, you're not actually deterring anyone. And, I mean, in like, in an ideal world, Joe Biden would continue to work on getting back to the JCPOA, the Iran nuke deal, which yeah. was also a disaster. But, like, he's yeah. doing that, in effect, without the actual deal. Like, there's no yeah. congressional oversight or consent to any of this. He's just doing it. Like King King Biden? Well. <laughs> Lord help us. I don't even know. <laughs> Emperor's new clothes. Yeah, basically. seriously. It's the question great. is, why is the Hamas leadership allowed to just chill in Qatar, Qatar, or yeah. the yeah. you say yeah. it? We should just drone whatever tower they're in and I mean, just take it out. I agree, but <laughs> the problem is the United States recognizes Qatar as a major non-NATO, non-NATO ally. And Are we they have really? a yeah, massive yeah. military base yeah. in Qatar. Well, I know that, yeah. And so things get very dicey. Yeah. So they should just let if us we, go in and take them out? Yes. Yeah. If they wanted to be good neighbors and friends, they would say, hey, he's in room 1712 at the Ritz. Yeah, go yeah, get him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, go not, some he's not at the Ritz. They, yeah. Ritz-Carlton vehemently denies that he's stayed in their property. Do you wanna, you know, is like that where the, he is though? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh. That was rumored that he had yeah. done meetings there. Some people concluded he was living there, but apparently it's not actually where he lives. But again, hmm. it would ideally we would Soleimani yes. the leaders of Hamas, but it just is – I mean – I, the way the Middle East is right now yeah. and the way Joe Biden is the weakest on the world stage we've had maybe since I don't even know maybe yeah. maybe Mossad will do that I'd love well, to see and that I, listen they, they, they've sent teams out to kill uh, terrorist leaders mm-hmm. like, you know around the Middle East what was that guy that they that they killed oh remember the yes. hotel room it's all on yes. security camera it was like 17 agents and they all Just they swarmed. basically they yeah. stuck a needle in him and then they put it was all over. incapacitated we him we should go in and take him out and chop him up like Khashoggi <laughs> <laughs> we should just get the Saudis to do it. They chopped up Khashoggi. They could chop up these <laughs> allegedly, guys. Allegedly. Allegedly. At the embassy, please. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> yeah, um, well, you know. But no. And it's, I, there's there's the, food leaving the embassy. <laughs> and the, the sort of the alarming thing about all this, too, is we're seeing kind of a regression away from what the Abraham Accords achieved with some of these countries because you have meetings between, like, the Saudis and the Iranians. And, like, again, they've all been in groups and hung out and stuff like that before but then with the Abraham Accords that really forced these countries that signed on to those to normalize relations with Israel to stick their necks out and now they're in a very sticky situation um, and so it would be a shame if this caused any of that to be undermined. <laughs> I do also think uh, that part of the reason a lot of the countries joined the Abraham Accords was because they saw Israel as a emerging sort of like mini superpower and so they wanted to have normalized relations just in case somebody you know went loco in the middle east again mm-hmm. and so i think it's that makes it even more important that israel like resoundingly defeats hamas neutralizes or shuts down hezbollah and whatever they're trying to do if they can't completely eliminate them and comes out of this stronger but it's also like it's been barely a month since this happened so everybody wanting the after action reports and stuff it's like it's not going to happen yeah. like the videos today of the idf uh, spokesman jonathan conriquez going through the El shifa hospital you can hear the gunfire and the fighting still happening outside yeah. the hospital so yeah. it's going to be a long time before and they got to go down yeah well the there's that negative the gaza metro as yeah. they call it which probably runs better than the dc metro probably sometimes. yeah until the idf nuked <laughs> it but yeah <laughs> 
Well, you know, I, I what I have the biggest problem with, at least in the past, like, 48 hours, and there's uh, a lot to complain about, but Biden unfreezing this money for Iran, you know, following the same trend as when they did it on 9-11. Yep. To do it yesterday, on the day in which the, uh, what was it called, Unite for Israel March or something like that, was happening here in D.C., which had an estimated between 250,000 and 300,000 people out on the National Mall, uh, and I could tell you those estimates were correct because traffic was f- uh, <laughs> it To do that, to not have sent a administration representative um, was pretty egregious to me, and I agree that I have been pleasantly surprised with how they've behaved so far, given the pressure they're seeing from their uh, far left and even mid left at this yeah. point, um, especially the African American community. I mean, you know, it's a well known fact that those those two groups don't really get along, uh, the African Americans and Jews. Um, but you have the Muslim community, obviously, going to be siding with the terrorists. I mean, you know, it's. Very, it's the exclu uh, what is it not the rule the exclusion to see a muslim american oh yes siding the with israel rule. the exception rule that's what yeah. i'm looking for yeah i got you, you knew what i was like. I got and, you. I didn't. and so you, they had a speaker there yesterday at the mm-hmm. rally who i thought was really a, a moving uh, set of remarks that she gave and she was basically like you know these these people are savages and like it's mm-hmm. you know what they've done is egregious was and that an Asra Naman? Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah. No, she's been yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the, yeah, for the Biden administration to do that last night mm-hmm. at the deadline at four fifty nine p.m. <laughs> I mean, obviously they're trying to hide it and mm-hmm. bury it. Um, I thought that that was ridiculous, but it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how this evolves, given the the left being mm-hmm. so against Israel and so with the terrorists, versus Biden, who's trying to be a, a friend to Israel. And in, in the past, he has been yeah. through his whole career. I'll give him credit for that. Um, you know, he was one of the, I think, the original supporters of the Iron Dome and all of that stuff. So he does have the record to stand on there. Um, but with today's modern left, is very different from where the Democrats used to be on this. Yeah, and um, I think uh, another topic uh, that I have discussed with a lot of the people uh, in Israel that I met with, because I check in find out what's going on there they want to know what's going on here and so their question is always how long can joe biden hold out with this mm-hmm. because again there have been these dissent cables which is like nobody ever sent dissent cables when there was real you know administration issues that they could be dissenting on they of course do it in this case but there have been dissent cables there's you know all these open letters people resigning from the state department all this stuff designed to show that like oh joe biden is you know doing the wrong thing or whatever and it's like not ideal that this is all happening right before an election where Joe Biden is already, according to that one poll this week of all the states and how the vote would go, that Joe Biden would lose the Electoral College and narrowly win the popular vote against Trump if the mm-hmm. election were held like that day this week. Like Joe Biden and his political advisors, and by that I mean just his political advisors because he doesn't really know what's going on most of the time, yeah. is, are going to be pushing him really hard to moderate or soften on this. And so Israel feels... I think a lot of pressure based on my conversations with people over there to get this done fast and to take out everything that they can as fast as they can. So while it might seem nice for them to regroup once they're done dealing with Hamas and Gaza before they go after Hezbollah and Lebanon, they might also just like quick pivot and do that while they still have the two air, uh, aircraft carriers in the region and all this support from Joe Biden. Um, but that's going to be a major sort of wild card in this is how long Joe Biden can withstand the pressure from all the lunatics people who are more lunatic yeah. than he is at least um but like i covered it last month that the group jewish voice for peace which is not actually a group that supports israel oh, yeah. they They're literally hot. they literally exist to drive a wedge between the jewish community in the united states but they took over the rotunda in one of the house office buildings on capitol hill in the act of armed rebellion yes yeah the led, by, led allegedly by rashida Tlaib. Um, well, that same group and two other groups now tonight have put out the word that they are going to be holding a vigil starting at 6 p.m. on Capitol Hill tonight, quote, followed by a civil disobedience action. Mm. But we don't know what that is. They're so going to storm the Capitol. It seems like that's the thing to do, maybe. So that's another That's another way that, again, it's like how long can Democrats hold up under this? Because obviously you have the Rashida Tlaibs on the Hill trying to move the needle away from Israel on the hill. You have all of the 
lunatics in the Biden administration trying to move Biden away from Israel. And so it's just kind of a how long can Democrats yeah. actually hold yeah. that? Yeah. Yep. I think they'll okay, They have to because there's too many of those pro-terrorist voters in Michigan and Minnesota. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of them. And they have to win those states. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're just, uh, mm. Yep, mm. that's true. Mm. The brother uh, f- kind of has not Oh, balls. boy. Well, that is Allegedly. truthful and accurate. I mean, it I mean, is, right? I mean, yeah, you know. Somebody is committing immigration fraud, but you know, yeah. hey, you know, let's just look, look a blind eye. Some people did something, and in this you know, case, it was her. It was brother. Israelis, you know, hypnotizing the world. And we can't <laughs> yeah, they do control the weather. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, that's there was a great. Do you guys follow the Mossad satire? Account? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so good. Yeah. They had that one last night. It was like photos of the lightning striking yeah. in Gaza. They were like, we're using our other weapon. No <laughs> <laughs> she must have had a breakdown yesterday, Alana seeing all those pro-Israeli uh, supporters on, on, on the mall. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're everywhere. Well, and I was very heartened to see how many more pro-Israel people came out than were there for the Free Palestine, whatever, yeah, BS yeah, march. Yeah, yeah. That was... Uh, yeah, well... That was wild. Yeah. I think that the real question here is how is the military going to act versus how the political messaging is going to be? Because, like, we've seen... Ours or Israel's? Ours. Oh. Ours. Yeah. Because, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, I could definitely see a case where the Biden White House, the Biden administration, or the Biden campaign, even though there really isn't much of a campaign <laughs> at this point, starts hedging their bets with, you know, talking points and messaging and stuff like that. But really, behind the scenes, the military support and financial support is still going to be there in full. Even though the Democrats, after Chuck Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries, which was interesting... Stood with the March for Israel out on National Mall yesterday. They right then turned around, including John Fetterman, who, by the way, a very base uh, John Fetterman. Yeah, so I, confused. Uh, so confused. You know, I, I still hate the guy, but I give him credit for this. The trolling him waving the flag. Oh yeah, he, no, I was like, <laughs> he just loved on these people to their face, and I'm like, I gotta respect that. Yeah. Um, but then they turned right around, went back to Capitol Hill, and voted against Israel on the floor of the Senate. Yep. Um, because the separate House bill funding Israel and military support and all that stuff, yep. uh, which had made it over there, was voted down by the Democrats, I think 5148 or 5149. Yep. So clearly, you know, the the messaging, the actions, it's not all matching up at this no. point. Um, which, you know, that's that's politics in general. But yeah, they're still dying on this hill of we need to tie more Ukraine funding to Israel. And if you look at the public support for each of those wars, Ukraine's already gotten... Mm-hmm. We gave them a quarter trillion dollars, and they didn't win. They barely held off the Russians. So they've gotten their turn. They're out. There's a new war in town, and <laughs> we all know that that's the way the Uniparty works, the military-industrial complex, at least this time to one of our real friends. Well, and one, that's how I feel about it. One thing I hadn't thought about until recently is the U.S. has for basically as long as Israel has existed um, – had a stockpile of our weapons and uh, equipment in Israel just to have it kind of already over there Uh if we need anything. And when Putin invaded Ukraine, the U.S. transferred a bunch of that from Israel and gave it to the Ukrainians to fight. Mm -hmm. And so I've been trying to find out whether or not that stockpile and those weapons were ever restocked after they were given to Ukraine, and I have not yet found somebody who will confirm an answer one way or the other. But... Great. Yeah. So starting out from a point where the U.S. kind of owes Israel at least restocking what they took yeah. and gave uh, to be used in Ukraine if we're going to be doing this. But I, on the plus side, that could mean that Israel, the stockpile in Israel, was drained down of a lot of its older weapons, and maybe yeah. we'll restock them with newer ones. Because again, especially if they're going after Hezbollah, they need a lot more. They need a lot. A lot. They need a lot. And even even just. Like the Iron Dome, the interceptors, the Tamir interceptors, yeah. those are very expensive yes. per pop. And they when there are as many rockets firing as, like, how many does Hezbollah have? Like 300,000 aimed at Israel? Yeah. yeah. So if you have, like, that is a, a lot. lot of money and a lot yeah. of interceptors. And making sure that they have all the, like, if the Iron Dome runs out of interceptors... Israel's cooked. It's it's two thousand six yep. all over again. Yeah, it's like duck and cover. Yes, mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah, and f- for that reason, and like again, Ukraine has been a slow burn for like, like the the boundary lines of who controls what have it's not, not moving. Yeah, it's not moving. It's about to be what two years now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 
basically like, like it's, the pressing trench, need, it's trench warfare the pressing need is israel because again if they don't have the interceptors and they don't have the weapons to take out the hezbollah launchers and the hezbollah terrorists and their vehicles and everything else and god forbid if they also try to launch a ground invasion kind of in the style of what hamas did from gaza into israel granted idf has already evacuated people i think it's like yeah. 40 of the towns that are close to the border with lebanon they've already evacuated that so they already have that buffer there but still if if Hezbollah tries that, because they have such a large army that they could just kind of rush the border, yeah. Israel needs to have everything at its disposal ready to go. And if it turns out that the Biden administration, or not if not even the Biden administration, if Congress can't get its act together because they're unwilling to pass Israel aid without Ukraine aid, it just makes no sense. They're two well, totally different situations, two different The House passed battles. it. It's Mitch McConnell in the Senate. Those, the, the Republicans... I mean, they did vote for it yesterday, but they essentially have been messaging Mitch McConnell that it should include Ukraine money. Yep. I'm like, yeah, no, it's the we're number good. one issue for all Republican voters. Remember? That's what he said. Remember, yeah. 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 You know, his strokes have been messing with his brain a little oh. much. Um, yeah, the thing with Israel versus Ukraine, and now it's different, and I've, I've made this point to several people, and they eventually come around to my point of view on this, because everybody knows that I have vehemently opposed aiding Ukraine in the war against Russia because I don't buy the the talking points that the neocons have sold on this. You know, I think some aid was fine, but in the long term, there's no plan to win, and you're never going to get that land back from Russia that they've taken now. The Donbass. It's, it's done, the Donbass. And the really, Donbass. it was Russian land to begin with. You know, we could have the whole historical argument, the Crimea, all that, right? But at the end of the day, the core of my argument against it was what purpose does Ukraine serve to us, right? They are not NATO, so we're not obligated to defend them. Yeah. They are not the EU, so in you know even though that's not an obligation, but <laughs> that's a good crew of people, right? So you you push that off the table, right? Then the selling point becomes, well, if we don't stop Russia here, he's gonna just try to take all of Europe, and I'm like. What have you seen thus far that indicates that he has the power to even try to do that? Yeah. Right? He knows that that would be certain nuclear war. Mm. Maybe in the end he'll want that. And at that point, we're all f***ed anyway. <laughs> but, you know, that that argument doesn't really carry up Because look at it from, you know, we, we always fail to see how our actions pushed what he did. Yep. We let all these European countries into NATO, right? You know, if our enemy came up to our border in Mexico, which, you know, they are now, so not a great Sometimes comparison. Coming up, but, coming in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, say say China zero built a military zero base. Telegram 2.0. Oh, say China <laughs> built a military base right at the southern border. You think we don't have, we'd have a problem with that? Like, that that's the equivalent of what NATO going into these small whole Eastern European countries is. Not to mention that we're now obligated to invoke Article 5 to defend them, which was strategically a mess. Uh, I get the idea of stronger together, or whatever their tagline is. <laughs> but that Hillary Clinton's yeah, yeah, yeah. slogan? <laughs> um, but here, at Fight least in, in Israel, all that, to get to my point of Israel, is an actual friend. Right? They are a major non-NATO ally, having that status. Ukraine was not. Um, and Israel has been there for us, and we've been there for Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't look at any history of Ukraine and point that out. Um, in fact, when we asked them for some documents, when Trump called them on the perfect phone call, we didn't get our documents. So um, you know, there's, there's no is, coincidence this that— This is the real quid pro quo. Yeah. <laughs> Give the documents to Trump so we let Putin roll you. Yeah, we should have let them roll. Quid pro quo. At the end of the day, at the end of the day— there, you can't convince me that there's not some element of that corruption with the Biden family playing an absolute role in all of this crazy want to support Ukraine. Well, if the FBI uh, FD-1023 form that they got, that Comer finally got in the Oversight Committee is accurate and true, then yes, that's 100% yeah. the case. Yeah. $10 million yeah. bribe there. Yeah. Um, all right. What else have we got going on? Uh, Palestinian flag raised in this U.S. town, North Andover, Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh, and oh, okay. I thought Why is it filled with Muslims? Probably. Well, if they're no, raising no. a Palestinian, Man, I thought flag. it was. Man, I thought I thought it was uh, Dearborn. Yeah, but... I thought it was going to be Michigan. <laughs> or is it all? Is it all like liberal whites up there, virtue signaling? Yeah, probably. Let's see. I think Let's Leah see. wrote this. Yeah, Leah did. Oh, it was a request. Oh. That the that the town council approved, what the f- 
Well, you know, Ivy League up there, man. Oh, they all, they my all, they all God. Hit the there. This is unbelievable. You know, I, really, at the end of the day, and this goes to a theme that we've been talking about on Triggered since the beginning of this show, and the incompatibility of Islam with Western civilization, we let the end of Western civilization into our countries willingly. Yeah, we did. And by we, I don't mean we. I mean we the as West. in the royal we. Yeah, yeah the, West the West as a whole. Um, we, we. we conservatives did not want yes. these, these importation of refugees and Muslims. But look at London. Look at the UK. Look at Germany. 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 Look at France. These countries are on the on the brink of falling or having an outright civil war because of the millions of refugees that came in from the Middle East. And, they, and they're and breeding like rabbits. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean that's just, a fact. They're just, over, they're just overtaken. Yeah. It's just like they're, they're having, you know, you know all, all these f- kids. Well, yeah, it's only a matter it's of like time for the UK. I read that the, uh, the natural-born UK white population is the minority. Yeah. I mean, that's going to eventually happen here, and too. Probably Sharia less. Island, and then we're going to have to, you know, probably invade the UK. Well, that's, and, and that's, that's actually the problem <laughs> we will with, long be dead. with letting in Islam like that is because yeah. they have an outright belief that the only law is, is Sharia law. Uh-huh. And that they, it's their duty as, as good Muslims to implement it where they are. And mm-hmm. they say it in these interviews. I mean, have you seen some of these TV interviews oh, yeah. in Canada? The guy was like, it's only a matter of time before we take over, and then Sharia will be the law of the land. And I'm like... And Justin Trudeau already dressed up in the... Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, he's Aladdin. Yeah, yeah. Aladdin. Yeah, yeah Aladdin he's, signed he's off ready. He's ready. Yeah, it, e. the rise of, of <laughs> radical Islamic terrorism, or the re-rise of it, mm-hmm. after Trump, uh, is becoming a huge problem, and it's going to be a huge problem around the globe. Frankly, I'm shocked that nothing has happened here yet. I was oh, just going to say that. I'm wait. constantly, like, this is the least safe that I think I've ever felt living yeah. around D.C. Yeah. And it's been over a decade. And I just, like, everybody, all of the, like, alarm bells are not ringing, but, like, the light is flashing and the bell hasn't gone off yet, it yeah. kind of feels like. Because you've got, uh, like, two and a half weeks ago, the FBI director testified on Capitol Hill and admitted that we're not tracking terrorist organizations that are active in the United States and when asked if he was confident that the FBI could prevent an attack he couldn't answer that so that was a no well we've had some low key attacks right we had the woman in Indianapolis who drove into a Jewish school and then the Jordanian the Palestinian in Houston who wanted to shoot up the Jewish community well and the murder in California of of the Jewish protester the difference though is that's like the lone wolf and what it seems like everybody is not focused on is uh, Mark Green. I wrote it up today. He had a great opening statement in the House uh, Homeland Security Committee, uh, but he just like went through all the ways in which this is probably the most dangerous yes. time in the United States yeah. in the last decade, or maybe even two and a half decades, really, if you go back to right before nine eleven, and uh, just all the like when you look at how many millions of known gotaways have illegally crossed the border, how many of the no or of the ap- actually apprehended people have flagged in the terror watch lists. All these things just point to, like, if somebody wanted to activate something, all of the pieces look to be there. And mm-hmm. when the FBI is like, we're not yeah, tracking we're not that, tracking it. it just is... A little problematic. A little yeah. scary, well, yes. at least. Let's wait until, you know, Thanksgiving is upon us. Oh, listen, listen, I'm about to get on a plane tomorrow, I'll be saying that. Just saying, be fine. <laughs> we got sky marshals. Not enough of them. No, we but, don't have enough air marshals yeah. because they're all co-opted by Democrat members <laughs> of Congress to fly home with them when they don't need it. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, and I mean, the other thing, nobody yeah. even talked, I've been, I need, I still need to write this story. Somebody email in angrily and tell me to write this story because I keep forgetting to do it. But Biden keeps cutting funding for the FFDO, FFDO program, yeah. which allows pilots and co-pilot, pilots and first officers, excuse me, to train and carry guns yeah. in the cockpit on flights. And that's like the, like, Theoretically, the air marshal should prevent anybody yeah. from getting close. Yeah. But if there's not an air marshal on the flight or things get out of hand, FFDO captains and first officers are the last thing you have to stop it. And so that's inexplicable that Biden would cut funding for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're too busy fighting climate change. That's true. It is our I number mean, one geopolitical foe. Well, yes, sir. Even though it's not a person. I wanted to talk about that because I think yeah. you wrote that story, yeah. right? That the intelligence agencies. Uh, had their eye off the ball ahead of October 7th yeah, because... Because of all these multiple executive orders from Biden saying you need to focus on climate change. Mm. Focus, focus, focus. And, you know, here we are. Yep. Here we are. Yep. Richard Grinnell even said that. He's like... Well, he said that it's not that they didn't have the 
the capacity to analyze this stuff. They probably just didn't think that Hamas would pull it off. That's also another theory, but... Yeah. I don't know. It's, that's kind of a distinction without difference because they, well, just, they didn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, I get, you know, it goes back to my whole thing about yeah. failure of imagination and yeah, uh, exactly. thinking that these enemies can pull this stuff off, and mm-hmm. they can, and that'll, at the end of the day, probably be what gets us, too. But, oh, uh, yeah, you know, uplifting episode. Uh, <laughs> let's switch gears to the economy, which oh, is even particularly better news. uplifting. Oh, even better news. Yeah. Spencer, our economic reporter at Town Hall, <laughs> the only one that pays attention to the economic data. Um, That's true. The economy's It's not good. It is really teetering on the edge. You know, we, we just keep we just keep teetering and teetering and teetering. Teeter-totter. the thing with the inflation, which came out this week, and according to the liberal media, is down, even though that's not what that means. Joe Biden, liberal media, Democrats in Congress. Yeah, inflation's down. For them, the slowing of the rate of growth means <laughs> it's down. But really, for inflation to be down, it would need to be deflation, which is not happening. Correct. Um, and also, these numbers are cooked anyway. I mean, anybody who actually buys anything knows. I got my new, six, uh, my new year auto policy today. Yeah, I went back and looked because I was like, this seems outrageous to me <laughs> that I'm now paying – Almost $1,300 a year in auto insurance. I haven't bought a new car. I haven't changed my policy. I went back and looked. In 2020, I was paying $740 a year, and now it's $1,280 a year. That seems like a bad deal. Not a good deal. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it's by inflation. It's, it's one of those things. And because car repair parts car labor, all more expensive. That has to be passed on to the consumer and all the average consumers are going to pay for it. You know, fuel prices, home prices. I mean, look at look at uh, the mortgage rates right now, right? People are not buying homes, which is causing a sort of freeze in, in the real estate market, mm-hmm. which is going to be really interesting to see how that resolves. <laughs> um, but go to the grocery store. You see it. Is inflation down to any of you? No. no. I don't think so. I go to the grocery store, I get every week. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's two items. Yeah. You know. I mean. I mean. I never thought you get that, the whole uh, list. You get your whole list of items. Tasty cakes are now the the food of luxury. Well, yeah. <laughs> luxury yeah. Items. No. Yeah. We, we we talked about this uh, during Halloween. The Halloween candy was. At, I'm like, yeah. is it gold now? Are we are we giving these kids gold bars? With Chocolate the, milk yeah. is now eight dollars a container. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's gold now. Liquid gold. Here's yeah. the here's Buy the thing, gold. and I always say this. I, I say this. No, not financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> it took a second to register. Um, how we look at this as you know, single, well off, you know, white collar income earners. I mean, obviously, we'd all love to be rich, but mm-hmm. um, versus how a family that works a you know mid to low income job with kids. How I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you live. Not I really don't know how you live. You just don't. I mean, like, or you is, go on government assistance, I guess. I mean, the answer is you just rack up a ton of debt, which yeah, we've yeah, also seen. The credit card debt. Um, credit but debt. the problem is those are all maxing out. And because the interest rates are so high, most people won't be able to get out from under them without bankruptcy or yep. winning the lottery. Yep. I'd love to win the lottery. Way, That'd be yeah. great. Um, Got to buy me my plane so I can fly around. Exactly. Yeah, so the inflation thing's still out of control. Um, unemployment, that's another cooked book. Um, oh, yeah. Because Every single month they revise the two previous months down by like 300,000 right. jobs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the jobs that are being, air quote, created and artificially keeping the unemployment rate lower is because people are picking up second jobs at record rates yeah. just to make ends meet. I mean, this is, you know, the economy is really... A house of cards, and it's shocking that we haven't seen a total crash and, and recession at this point. Um, I still think it's coming. I, I'm just surprised it hasn't yet. Um, well, the just, stock market is up. Just <laughs> Everybody's just buying, 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 and then we're going to lose, you know, ten trillion in value overnight. Yeah. And uh, everyone's going to be like, "Oh, what the f- happened?" And be like, "Well, if you were listening to Triggered, you would have known." <laughs> yes. Not financial advice. Yes. Um, <laughs> But on the inflation topic, you wrote this story earlier today about Thanksgiving dinners. Yeah. This is always a great indicator every year to look at what the history of it is, how much this has gone up. Um, People will be uh, taking advantage of that Popeye's turkey deal uh, with the way things oh, are. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 a good, it's a good indicator of cumulative inflation. We've talked about this a little bit before. You know, they talk about, oh, inflation's 3 4 5%, whatever. 
that's cumulative year over year over year. Yes. Since Biden has taken office, we're up, what, 25%? Close to that, yeah. Yeah, 25%. Uh, and to, it, that's probably an average because some things are up, like, 80% mm-hmm. compared to when Biden took office and other things are up, like, 20%. So yeah. it's just kind of an average. Also, but, they're probably buying, like, generic store brand in here versus the good old name <laughs> brand like in past years yeah but yeah no this year uh it's the second most expensive thanksgiving dinner ever recorded by the american farm bureau federation mm-hmm. oh my god second only to last year which was the highest ever uh but it is still 25 percent more expensive than it was in 2019 which was like the last normal pre-covid thanksgiving before biden yeah. took office so again just 25 percent up and that's, again, on all the your normal fixings, so like pumpkin pie, dinner rolls, turkey, mm-hmm. whipped cream, cranberries, all the goods. Green so, yeah. bean casserole. Greens, green. Beans, greens, potatoes. Yeah. All right. There you go. Uh-huh. Games. <laughs> yeah, well. Oh, the fact that, well, if you're Italian, they're the man of God. Here's what just makes no sense. So they, people broke out the numbers to compare between 2019 and 2023 for Thanksgiving, and the price of ham is up 97%. Ham and it's like yeah, what? pork's up a lot. I know that. Oh Ham, my god, ninety-seven percent. Yeah, we do turkey at our Thanksgiving with some also a lot of Italian stuff That's mixed in. Uh, yeah, the managot. I think that we're doing the managot. Maybe stuff. Or, stuff or has that been sacrificed? <laughs> well, well, you know, normally we when my parents lived in New Jersey, yeah, uh, they would host the whole family for Thanksgiving. So this Thanksgiving is going to be radically cheaper. Because I am going down to Florida, and we're having just a small family Thanksgiving. Me, uh, my parents, and my sister. Um, and I think the neighbor's next door, too. Um, nice. But, yeah, that's like six people versus it used to be like 22 or 24. Yeah, so purchasing on that yeah. is, you know. Um, but, yeah, at least you get to spend a nice week down in sunny Florida. There you go. Um, go gator, gator hunting? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the butcher, so I found yeah. a good butcher down there. They yeah. have great filet mignons. Unbelievable. Um they sell the gator. The gator, there. yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, like fresh-caught gator from can, shot out uh, in the field. Unlike, no, in, in Louisiana, you can use guns. In, in Florida, no guns are allowed. Oh, really? Yeah, How do they kill them? It's a, like, a pressure stick. Oh, it's like the cow it's thing. It's like a cow thing, but, like, a, you know, it's, you know, you hit it and it just explodes or something like that. Yep. Yeah, it's like that. I would, Spencer, not, I would Spencer not trust had to go. that whatsoever. Spencer had to go. You got to go yeah, handle something. Um, so you get me and Matt the rest of the episode. Uh... Let's see what else. Oh, you wrote this story. Mm-hmm. This is a good one. Yeah. What's going on with these illegals? Oh, Obviously, right. millions still right, coming right. in. Yeah, the, you know, the, that's the big Democrat plan, right? Open borders, mm-hmm. flood flood the country, get that census going, carve out new congressional districts and have, you know, uh, similar ethnic or racial representation mm-hmm. for those to increase their clout on the Hill. Well, it's, it's backfiring because they're coming in by the fistful and there's no job opportunities. Mm. None. They were lied to uh, about the uh, asylum process. Yep. So basically, they're like, we're going home. I they're saw. They're self-deporting. Yeah, well, I saw that uh, it was something like under 3% of the illegals in New York had applied for work permits. Yeah. Um, so they're going home. So they weren't really here for asylum. Yeah. <laughs> Remember? Well, that's just racist. These people are, are fleeing for asylum. How dare you? How dare you be so cold? Well, that's we all did. That was bull. Yeah. So and also, all these Duke blue cities turned on them. Mm-hmm. Chicagoans yep. don't want them. New Yorkers don't want them. There's not enough resources to, f- so they're yep. going home. Yep. It's basically another. I mean, I don't. I hate to say this because I'm not a big fan of him, but it's another Mitt Romney was right. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Whole, remember how self deportation? Mentioned self deportation in 2012, and everyone thought he was a. D- well, it's happening now, and the, Dem- well, the, the Democrats yeah. caused it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a long stretch. We had to destroy America to yeah, get these illegals to get the f*** out. All right, let's do some quick 2024 talk here. So, uh, you know, state of the race remains relatively unchanged. We had the debate last week. Not really much changing in the polling. Um, although, one person who got positive reviews for the debate was Nikki Haley. Oh, by the way, Tim Scott dropped out. Not that anybody gave it. Who? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Pence also was out. Uh, we talked about that, I think, last yeah. episode. But Nikki Haley got some decent reviews for the last debate. Well, she immediately went and took all of that positive press and set herself literally on fire. all over it. Yeah, yeah set herself on fire yeah. is a great statement. Uh, because why don't you take a listen to what she had to say? When I get into office, the first thing we have to do, social media accounts, 
social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let us see why they're pushing what they're pushing. The second thing is every person on social media should be verified by their name. That's First of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, all of a sudden people have to stand by what they say and it gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots and the Chinese bots. And then you're going to get some civility when people know their name is next to what they say. Accountability. And they know their pastor and their family members going to see it. It's going to help our kids and it's going to help our country. Oh, my oh, God. You know what? You know what that reminds me of? You know what that cue that cue that music, Mr. Producer. Yes, the SS, the Nazi, the Nazi march. Uh, it, that would be the death of free speech in America. First yeah. off, it's unconstitutional. It's, yeah, I don't even think it's legal. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it, this just un- underlines. Nikki Haley was always a, a what is it? A fox in sheep's clothing? No, not a fox. A wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Yeah. I always yeah. f- up my analogy. She was basically a liberal who became a Republican because South Carolina is a one-party state. <laughs> that's what I and, saw someone tweet. Yeah, that, that's where I got it from, as you saw it too. Yeah. Um, and she's always been a neocon, barely a Republican, rhino. Everyone knows how I feel better, but I've always been proven right. And she is a snake, and she can never be let near power again. Did you um, – um, there's also another one. She, she's Hillary Clinton, but without the body count. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, that's a good one. Um so yeah, she she's unbelievable to me. Um, so yeah, it, it, that was just. I think that's um, probably going to hurt God. her quite a bit, because most people are like, "What? What are you yeah. talking about? This, yeah. this is a crazy idea." Although, if she were running in the Democratic primary against Joe Biden, this would be a boost for her because Democrats think we have too much freedom in this country and they want to censor censor social media posts that are hate speech. Which is ironic because they dominate everything except for Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, so the the state of the race remains unchanged. Trump is the prohibitive front runner and likely will be the nominee. Um, the others are, I guess, competing for either uh, cabinet State, jobs, yeah. VP spot. Um, you know, and the the one thing that I always caveat this with is, yeah, it's a long shot parlay. Somebody else could do something. Voting hasn't happened yet, but the way it looks now. You know, Trump has at least 50% of the party locked up. And, but there is a good portion of the party yeah. that would like to see alternative leadership. You know, I, I, I don't blame them. You know, I think there is some downfalls with Trump. Obviously, he's the known quantity. He has the biggest group of people against him and lined up against him. Um, Who have unlimited resources, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, They've got us I mean, beat on the money. I mean, They've got us beat on the control on of the institutions. You know how this game goes. Yeah. Um, I think Gail emailed in and basically echoed those statements of, you know, he he is the biggest risk as far as the biggest group of people automatically against him. Although I will say, and I've been, I've been hinting at this a little bit uh, as we've been talking about this, I've had a lot of of people that I know that even tilt left or are, uh, you know, pretty staunch Democrats that recently have told me, you know what, I might just have to vote for Trump. I think we need Trump back. There you go. Um, You know, it's very anecdotal, but I do think that there's a softening that even though they still hate him, and they caveat it with that, I hate Trump, but we need him back. Yeah. Um, And I I find that very interesting. was healthier. Right. Well, you know, it's basically indisputable that the the world was better off with him as president, not just economically, but safety, you know, geopolitically, foreign policy, all of it. Um, So that's what I find very interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon. And the polls are kind of showing that in the swing states, Trump is up. If the election were held today, Trump would win the election. A landslide. And uh, he, and landslide, he, well, he you know, know, he'd win 306 no, no, no. electoral votes. Electoral landslide, yeah. I would say. Because he's winning all the key swing states. Yeah, it'd be like 306 <coughs> electorally, that's which is what he won 2016 yeah, by. Yeah, uh, damn good. I don't know if that's say that the landslide, but it'd be it'd be significant. Avalanche. <laughs> yeah, yeah, classic. <laughs> uh, now, the election's not today, no. unfortunately. If it was, we'd be in great shape. Yeah. It's a year away. Uh, so we got a lot of work to do, a lot of news to come. The country could be even more by then, which hopefully would 
you know, lead people to vote Biden and the Democrats out of office. But as we've seen, uh, people in this country really uh, tend to get in their own way and vote against their own good. Yeah. Like well, these we saw blue that cities. In Kentucky. Well, yeah, in Kentucky, uh, you know, New York was a bright spot. But in general, in these blue places, or these blue cities also, we've seen this time and time again, where you have these Soros prosecutors who encourage crime. These people living in the cities, even though they say the crime's terrible, continue to vote for the policies encouraging the crime. It's like they love hurting themselves. Yeah. Um, and so that phenomenon will continue. Uh, the election's a long ways off. We're going to obviously have it covered in full for you always at townhall.com. But today I actually have some interesting uh, and exciting news for you. So we have launched a new mobile app. We have been working on this for quite a while to bring together all of our sites into one convenient, easy-to-use mobile app. And it is called THM News, and that stands for Town Hall Media News. You can find it in the uh, Apple or Google uh, app stores. Um, And if you are a VIP member, basically you log in once and you're going to be logged in forever. And you can access all of your VIP content in one spot. All of your podcasts, Triggered Uncensored, all of your videos, you know, your Kurt VIP stuff, everything is in one spot. Um, so I highly encourage you to use it. And if you're not a VIP member yet, uh, go to the website first and sign up and become a VIP member. Uh, townhallvip.com. Use the promo code SAVEAMERICA for 50% off. And then get yourself over into the app. You'll, you'll, you can have access to your Triggered Uncensored there. You will love it, I promise. I've been working on it for a long time. Um, so we're excited to get that to uh, the market finally. If you have feedback on it, I'm looking to constantly improve it. If you have any issues with it, of course, contact us, triggered at townhall.com. I'd love to hear from you. Tell me your thoughts. So, yeah, that's that's it. That's the big news. Um, we, of course, are going to uh, be out next week for Thanksgiving. Both me and Matt are on vacation. Um, but we will be back at the end of the month for one more episode in November, and that'll be on Wednesday, November 29th. The Die Hard episode. Uh, well, you know, we yeah, we know it's a Christmas movie. It's we got to do a crossover with Ed so I can tell him just how yeah, wrong he is well, about that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's it. Um, we hope you have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving, whether you're traveling to see family or just having it at home. Um, enjoy some good football. And uh, be thankful for living in still the greatest country in the world, even though Biden's doing his best to not make it that way. Uh, but we are lucky to be Americans. We won the lottery. Matt was brought here. Yep. Adopted. Uh, I yeah. You won the lottery too. Yeah. Um, although South Korea's not terrible, but America's definitely better. Yeah, um, but you know, li- not you know, not living in a city where there's like thousands of artillery pieces pointing. Um, That's a win. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Seoul yeah. would be completely yeah. destroyed if there was a war. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think things are good. But yeah, so enjoy your Thanksgiving. We hope you have a great one. And we will see you back here Wednesday, November 29th for another episode of Trigger. See you then.